Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Is it I'm chipping in, Jack, or is it I'm jacking in, Chip? I don't know. Is that from Cyberpunk? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't... I haven't played it, I've had a bit of Cyberpunk in the last week. (laughs) A bit? How many hours have you put into it so far? Uh, I don't know. I'm pushing 40, probably. Not bad. You must like it. But I'm doing a, I'm doing an incredible amount of screwing around and just standing around and looking at things and reading like all the little pamphlets that you pick up. So I, I haven't made tremendous progress, <laughs> but I've made tremendous observation. Oh, I went 30 hours before even getting taxed to. <laughs> because what? I was spending that much time doing side stuff. Yeah, you can you can totally do that. Wait, getting what? Getting what was side that, was stuff, it? side quests, oh. side quests knocked out. Yeah, uh, getting I, Skippy I, I was, the uh, the sentient smart gun, which I like that. To you during combat. I still think my it, favorite it, gun is the screaming gun from Borderlands Two. That's probably still my favorite gun ever. They um, need one that screams like a goat. <laughs> Kinda. Call it gun of the year goat. And it goes. Kind of. Yeah. Also your co-host Spaz right there. And your co-host Hunter. Hello. Uh, Friends, we have a guest this week uh, joining us. Coming back for, I believe, his third time on the show uh, from Houston, Texas. The head of Cat Hawk Games, Stephen Hawkins. Welcome back. Thank you. Third time's a charm, I guess. <laughs> I, always, I always love having people. Try to be charming. Huh? Sorry about that? What was that? We try to be charming. <laughs> I, always, I always do love welcoming people back. It, it, it means they were a good guest and we like having them back. Uh, so it's always nice to welcome someone back. Uh, friends, we are here to return to the topic of Alliance of the Sacred Sons. Uh, what used to be called, if I remember correctly, Empyria 5X. Am I remembering that right? Yes. Well, really just Empyria. And then we, we gave it the 5X as sort of a way to differentiate the type of game it was. Right. So we, we changed the name once uh, there's another game out there. Or there was a game, Empyria, that was kind of a uh, mobile game that uh, they weren't too oh. happy about sharing the name. So we decided just to find a different name. Well, it's kind of funny you went from one word to you went from like one side of the spectrum with one word to a much longer title on the other side of the spectrum. I just think that's well, funny. Your people will remember at least one of the words. And one of them is not void. <laughs> oh, thank God. Right. Thank God. We're not Emperor of the Fading Suns. We have no affiliation with Emperor of the Fading Suns. And we're not the same company that made Emperor of the Fading Suns. I get that question at least once a week somewhere. Really? I really do. It's funny. And and I mean, there are elements. I mean, there are houses and there are some, yeah, there's a similar vibe. There's, there's definitely a similar vibe. Um, I, I but, could have Andrew here in two clicks. Yeah. Um, Andrew's and click on could, And then you no, could officially license fading. Sense. No, <laughs> Andrew is great, but let's not rope him into this. Um, I think we've had him on yeah, twice now. Um, now he is great, but uh, I could kind of see where people would get confused because it, it has a similar vibe, kind of a future dystopian 
uh, kind of grand strategy thing, but you know, ultimately very well, different. It was, games. it was the best space game ever, and now we have the best space game ever. So it's very <laughs> similar. In <clears throat> right. Oh, well, I, actually, I, I love Emperor of the Fading Suns. Oh, the, only, yeah. the major difference is the the ground combat. I mean, in Emperor of the Fading Suns, you're basically taking over worlds one world at a time, and mm-hmm. you're almost yeah. like a civilization type game on the ground. Yeah. And the space game is is pretty pretty bare bones by comparison. It's very um, abstracted. Yeah. 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 Very abstracted. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like it's like uh, I don't even know what to call the space game in that, but it's it's kind of like. 40k in space and and uh i don't even know be on the ground it It reminds me of the the command and conquer map system where you just move from location to location with your with your forces and then you do Mm. the ground mission there yeah it's kind of it's kind of hex war game thing kind of a meta map thing yeah you know you know what i do like about it though is in uh (laughs) like in star wars Right, with um, what was that called? Empire at War, right? Or Galaxy at War? Empire, Empire at War. War. You got yeah, it. Empire at War. Um, in Empire at War, when you would do ground battles, it was like, hey, let me randomly generate an RTS fight. But that little RTS thing like symbolizes like an invasion of the whole planet, kind of thing. And here, at least, it was like, okay, there's multiple cities, and you have to think about like where you're going to land your stuff. And like who's defending what city is kind of kind of reminded me actually a Panzer General a little bit, which is in the same flavor as like Warhammer Armageddon because Warhammer Armageddon is Panzer General. It's a secret. Or those or those old Warhammer SSI games, similar vibe there yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but I could I could see why you would. Well, I could honestly see why people might get confused. Uh, on first blush, like, does this have anything to do with Emperor of the Fairing Sons? Because people are, people are, I'm, let's, let's, be the, let's be the last thing we say about Emperor of the Fading Sons. People are really dying for a game like that still. And yes, well, yes, Andrew, if you're listening, him, <laughs> nudge. Um, it's, well, it's, you know, it's, we, 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 go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm no, saying, I was gonna, we've tried to make something unique. It, no, you and, have. And, you yeah. have that. No, you totally have. You totally have. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not comparing your game to Emperor of the Fading Suns. But okay, so it was. It was Alliance to the Sacred Suns. Alliance of the Sacred Suns. No, it was. In, it was Imperia, and now it's Alliance of oh. the Sacred Suns. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So I, a quick a quick history of this game because it spans six years. Essentially. Uh, I'm a self-taught programmer. My full-time career was in retail management. <laughs> so I've always had a hobby of programming, right? And, uh, you know, it was just kind of a, a dream game I'd always wanted to make, kind of a 4X, but where you interact a lot more with characters, kind of a 4X meets Crusader King type vibe. But where yeah. Crusader King, the characters actually talked back and had personalities and actually had speech. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I kind of started working on a, a predecessor, and it was called Imperia. And it was actually using Visual Basic and using XML, um, or um, so or XMA, sorry. And it got to a point where, oh, this is pretty cool. I might share it with some people, you know. And it was always a free product, and um, <clears throat> I, I put it on GitHub and a few other places, and just people could kind of check it out. And it kind of got a little bit of a following. 
And so I kind of expanded it, worked on it a little bit. Um, and then uh, had some people that wanted to contribute art. And it just kind of grew to the point where, well, I really can't do much more with it because XMA is kind of a dying um, toolkit. They're that not was really the, supporting um, it. That was like the Xbox thing, right? That was like Xbox yeah. arcade type thing. Yeah. 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 XMA is kind of, it doesn't even stand for anything. It's just kind of a, it's just kind of a, uh, uh, uh an engine, a game engine, but it's mm. not really supported well. So a couple of years ago, I made the decision, you know what, if I want to do something with this game, I need to find a better engine, probably find a better, uh, language. So I taught myself C sharp. I moved to unity and I started basically from scratch and, and, you know, it was kind of nice cause it gave us a chance to change some things and, and refine some things. And, uh, create a better backstory. Um, but long story short, uh, yeah, we, we kind of got into the name when it got big enough to where the name kind of got around. <laughs> we were contacted by the other Imperia to say, you know, hey, we were here first. We have a copyright. So it's like, yeah, no big deal. We'll just come up with it. You know, we'll call Alliance of the Sacred Sons. Actually, one day I'll find a name. But it really does reflect the, the, the game because the ultimate goal uh, is to create an alliance. So the idea basically is that humanity built a stargate a thousand years ago based on um, plans that came from a meteorite from space and the meteorite fell in the 1950s, but you know, we weren't advanced enough to, to build it. So it kind of lay, you know, in state for about a hundred years until we could build it. So once we built the stargate, we started traveling through it, but the stargate was kind of a red herring because it was a a gated in a, a species called the Zill. The idea being that if a species was, intelligent enough to decipher the plans and build the gate, then they were intelligent enough to uh, basically have materials worth their time and basically overrun their planet. Because they're kind of, uh, they're kind of like energy feeders, kind of like the dredge, I guess. So, yeah. So they, I'd read that that novel. Why don't you make, I I would read that. I would really read that novel. Seriously. (laughs) It's kind of got a long backstory with it. We got a timeline and everything, but essentially, so, they got some, you know, settlers through the, the Stargate before Earth was destroyed. And then, you know, they went to kind of a far part of the Milky Way galaxy where it kind of rebuilt. And about 500 years later, um, what had then become the Terran Federation, and then basically had to fight off a second attack by the Zill. And I actually have a board game based on that. Um, it's called Star Requiem. Find it on Board Game Geek. It's a free print and play. So I've, huh. I thought about maybe including it as like a giveaway with the Kickstarter, but um, it's kind of an earlier... It, it's it's not my best of work. It's just kind of something I was doodling with. But it's what's free. it what's it called again? I'm gonna link oh, to that. Star Requiem. Star Requiem board game. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you can. It's a, you know, all the files are there. You can print and play. Um, you know, my 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 biggest opportunity as a game designer has always been creating complex systems and then not adequately telling people how to play them. <laughs> so that was even though I wrote like a 50 page instruction manual. Uh, we still had people, you know, messaging. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to play. It's, I think it's actually three, four. I say that as someone that's played like Avalon Hill games since I was ten. Anyway, so they it was a draw. They, we basically introduced the virus into the Zill, so it kind of uh, headed them off for a while. But the Terran Alliance kind of collapsed because a lot of the outlying systems were were taken over by the Zill, and so it kind of retreated into this core systems. And then that was basically became the Celestial Alliance and it was created. And then houses kind of took over and, and kind of arose and there became, you know, one ruling house and five great houses that kind of shared rule of the empire. 
So it's essentially now where you're at in 3050, um, you are the child emperor. You just turned 18, you're majority, you know, your father passed away and your grand vizier had the regency and the empire is in pretty bad shape. Um, the gray houses basically are looking to take over, um, you know, definitely some dune vibes there. And uh, your goal, you know, the Zill are coming. You have kind of a psychic link um, that they're coming back to finish the job. And there's kind of a whole backstory, which I won't spoil here, but there's a lot more than just, you know, evil aliens come to kill humans. There's a pretty complex story behind it. But basically, your role is to reunite the Empire, find the fallen civilizations of humanity that have kind of been scattered around the quadrant um, and build the, the Empire into a force strong enough to defeat the Zill, either militarily or um, scientifically. Without dying. If you die, the game's over. <laughs> that's Very important point. And, and, so, and so that, and that's a kind of a big deal because, you know, and really no other 4X. And what's funny, what, what amuses me is there were no games whatsoever that focused on the Emperor. Like when, when, you, when I started making the game five, four or five years ago, every 4X out there, you were kind of a gray, omniscient, you know, leader, mm-hmm. kind of a, mm-hmm. the gray eminence. And you didn't really, I mean, you might have had a portrait. You, they might have called you Emperor or whatever, but you really had no presence in the game. And, and so that was one of the things that I always wanted. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if you were an actual person, you had skills and you had traits and, you know, you, it was almost like an RPG, you know, imagine an RPG in a four X mashed up where your character could sort of, you know, improve skills, kind of like, uh, like the, the total war games where, you know, you have your, your clan leader, and you kind of can get, gain skills throughout. You gain abilities and and uh, items. And it doesn't really go that far because it's not an RPG. But it, it to me, making that person important is is critical to me. So that was kind of always the guiding force: is the idea that you played a person in the game. You had you know you had feelings. You had you know honor and humanity and and certain traits. And you could kind of write your own story. So, but what's funny, and I come come back to that, is when I started, there were no games like that at all. And now there's like, uh, there's easily three or four games now that are either in development or already out that now have, you know, kind of a dynasty emperor kind of vibe. And I'm not saying, you know, anybody ripped anybody off, but I I just think it's funny that that has become more of a niche now because, and, and I'd like to think that maybe we called some attention to that, that because that's, to me, that's been a big, blind spot in 4x games it really has i mean i think you and if we go back further um star wars rebellion really yo amazing but they're the they're they're the only like games up until like when you started that have scratched that particular itch every other 4x game is like you're some omniscient admiral emperor thing who just moves ships and everything and builds everything. And, and too. Isn't that amazing. You do all the lab work, you do all the design, you have the war plan, <laughs> you, you run the economy. I mean, uh, I, you're like, I mean, this dream. I tell, I tell people going, going back to Emperor of the Fang Sons, if, if that game had been allowed to be finished, that would be the one people would be cloning to this day, not master of Orion two. Um, but what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, there there definitely is a need for more uh, character driven strategy games, and there are the there are some, but uh, there are they're more usually like fantasy, like when you're a king simulator, and they're usually like medieval or fantasy king simulator. Uh, there was one we played on the stream a few months ago. Do you, Spaz, do you remember the name of that one? 
Uh, you're thinking Northgard, probably. No, 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 no. It was your. It was a king simulator, and you're a king, and you're walking oh, around oh, your oh, castle. Okay. And yeah, you're talking, uh, you're you're, talking yes, to your daughter. Yes, yes, your grace. Yes, your grace is the one you're. Yeah, of. yeah. There, there are more games like that where it's more of the medieval or fantasy style uh, king simulator. There really isn't much of this. In the I can only think of one other game um, doing this. It's Stellar Monarch. That's the only other one I can think of. Um, yeah, and, and that's a great game. You know, Glenn yeah. is doing something different. Um, you know, it's kind of the same niche, but his his game is more about storytelling. It's really more about. I mean, he focuses very very much on the characters uh, yeah. and the four X elements, or maybe not as pronounced. It's really more about telling the story. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can go about it two different ways, but that's a great game. I, I definitely yeah. recommend. I'd hit back in you because they both <clears throat> the adventure started. Remember, and, and keep in mind, anybody watching this, this is still a pre-alpha. Yeah, so of course. I'm not saying it's going to crash every five minutes or anything, but it should be pretty stable. But you may see some wonkiness, and that's I, just that's one reason. I think, I, I think the only wonkiness I saw was after I stopped recording. There might have been a little bit when I was recording, but like there was some there was some UI element that like got really big and took up a quarter of the screen while I was uh, playing. You uh, read it null, null reference then somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. I, um, somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I recommend if you want to start a campaign, um, you know, the, uh, the tutorial, which you were doing, and one thing we're going to be doing is really um, redoing the tutorial. We're going to be focusing more on the um, guided experience as opposed to the, um, <clears throat> you know, kind of, kind of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, hand holding, I guess you could say. Well, I like, really I like the tutorial for that reason, because your game is pretty complex and there's a lot going on. And I thought the tutorial honestly did a really great job of okay. laying the foundation because I, I played a bunch. I played for like another hour after I stopped recording this. Uh, Cause I didn't want to spoil anything for anybody. And uh, besides that one, like UI glitch, I just mentioned, I had a, you know, a great time, you know, trying to make projects happen and, you know, make a lot, make uh, people, more people like me <laughs> in every game I play. I'm like, I want everyone to like me and everyone to be happy. And so that was what yeah, I really, I, yeah. <laughs> I actually had a really funny experience when I was, uh, I was doing a stream. Uh, I do three streams a week for our Kickstarter on Twitch and uh, right. I do an hour uh, doing two hours. And <clears throat> I was running into a situation where I was trying really hard to get Waldegrove happy with me because they're a militant uh, house and, and you don't want them on your bad side. You just don't. So <clears throat> I would give them all the projects. I would give all their people, you know, if, if there was a, a project or an event or if they needed something that came to me, oh, say, no. I need money. Like, oh, sure, no. sure. Take oh, it no. all. <laughs> but but what ended up happening is my own house successor um, became furious. Like all the people in my house started hating me because I was basically locking them out of everything. <laughs> and so and that, that's hard to do because your house starts, obviously you have a nice bonus to, um, you know, your initial relationships, but I was completely ignoring him for like five years and locking him out of everything. And my house leader kept warning me like, Hey, you, you know, you might want to get us involved in some of this stuff. So finally, uh, my house successor popped up and said, I demand you you uh, recognize my rule to all the galaxy. And I said, nah, piss off. And so that was, that was the end of that stream. But I look forward to I look forward to tomorrow <laughs> when I pick that one up. But I mean it's just kind of fun because the game is designed to tell emergent stories. I mean, yes, 
Uh, it's a four X, but it was just funny how that kind of happened in, in, in the relationships you have with the houses. Um, you know, people already have kind of their own favorite and least favorite houses. And, you know, we're actually going to have bespoke house leaders in the early access version. Right now they're kind of pre-generated, but you'll have house leaders. So if you have say Waldegrave, you'll have the same person. So you'll kind of get to either love or hate them because they'll have a very specific personality. Um, so now the characters will vary in their roles and obviously everything else around them, but the houses themselves and their leaders will stay the same. So you can kind of get a sense of continuity and kind of feel that you're you know, competing because really you are. You're, the, the game is, is weird in that you're not competing against alien races like in a typical 4X. You're actually kind of competing at, against your other houses, but at the same time you're not because in order for the Empire to survive, you kind of have to all pull in the same direction. So it's kind of a very unique balancing act between, you know, you, you said you get everybody to like you. You can't make every house like you. You can make them like you at gunpoint, but you can't make them all because if, if you like one house, they'll have a relationship with their houses. And the more attention you give one house, their house enemies will start hating you more because you're you're basically helping out their enemy or at least their um, rival or, or you know, tensionable other house. So it's very Dunish in that respect. Um, you know, the, the great house, you know, we've taken a few surveys about what people like about the game. And time and time and time again, number one is always the great houses. Um, you know, an emperor obviously is way up there. And then the events, the scripted events are, are up there, but the gray houses are always at the very, either very top or number two, which I think is really cool because that's really a foundation of the game. You should feel like you're playing against, you know, you're trying to keep this empire together, but you're also fighting against these houses. And so the choice you have to make early on, and that's where, it's, you know, the grand strategy is what houses do I need to make friends with? And, could, and you just usually have to pick one or two and say, okay, these are the houses I need. Maybe they're good at mining. Maybe they're good at farming. Maybe they're good at the military. Maybe they're good at science and you don't have any academies. But you have to decide for your particular empire that's been generated because they always change. They always have different problems. What houses do I need at my back? Because the other houses are probably not going to like that too much. And so you, you, you're inevitably going to have to deal with a schism in, in your empire. Great. I mean... We we have an alien invasion impending, and we have to deal with our own internal crap. That's that's great. <laughs> you mean in the game or for real? They don't know it yet. That's the thing. They don't know that's happening. So, oh. like I say, there's that's kind of a whole game mode that's going to be added. But the idea is that they gradually you gradually make them more aware. You have kind of an awareness level, and you have to try and prove that this is happening because they're not going to believe you if you just cry alien every time. Like has, has happened a few times over the past 500 years, they get kind of jaded. So um, that's kind of a whole, you know, that's one of the only main system that's really not in the game yet, along with the um, other fallen civilizations that you have to discover and, and you meet and hopefully uh, inter, inter, interact, integrate into the Empire. Sorry. <clears throat> oh, so are there going to be minor and fallen civilizations in the game as well as your yeah. yours as your great houses and everything? Was your empire? Yeah. yeah. So you have six major cultures, and those form, you know, when you built your own house, you got to pick from those six prime cultures. And those are what are called inner ring cultures. And then you have middle ring cultures and outer ring cultures. And those are cultures that have, you know, the outer ring cultures are almost borderline alien because they've been separated from humanity for over 500 years. And so the middle ring cultures have some occasional contact with the inner ring, uh, inner ring being essentially the, the empire. Um, but they're kind of started to drift and you have some cultural differences. You have some language differences. 
Um, but the outer ring cultures almost could be considered almost an offshoot of humanity, almost a different species because of the time that's passed between the second Zill war and they kind of lost all contact. So you had a significant culture drift and, and significant um, genetic drift. Wow. But you can rediscover and try and reconnect with these, these lost. You can try. You <laughs> were, they don't automatically just come back open arms. Cause remember these were, if you play, I don't know if you play the board game, you would understand, but the idea is that you can't defend every X, you know, they had, you had outer middle and inner systems and the outer systems were usually the ones that got fallen from the Zill first. And if you tried to defend them too much, you basically risk having your middle and inner systems um, kind of uh, taken over. So, you know, the, the timeline assumes that a lot of the outer systems fell and they fell because um, the Terran Federation decided to let them fall. And so those, those cultures and, and, and those systems never forgave the Federation for that. And so they don't necessarily know there's now a new celestial empire, but they're not going to necessarily come open arm. Now some will, because they've been out in the back beyond for a long time, depending on their culture. Some of them will see you as a savior, but they'll bring back technology and, and other things, but some won't, won't want anything to do with you. And they may even go to war with you because they're still upset about what happened. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. That kind of is reminiscent of, uh, of traveler of old. Oh, traveler. Like- Boy, you know, that's the first RPG I ever played. I played it on Atari ST, Atari 800 ST. Hmm. Like for real mega. Well, mega traveler. Yeah. The, the Donnie conspiracy. I, yes. Yep. Yeah. I played that yep. one too. Um, yep. thing, thing that, uh, I can't remember what it was that happened in traveler where like there was a collapse of some sort. Right. So we had this interstellar empire and then the empire collapsed and then humans like got warp travel back. But because the worlds had been isolated from each other for so long, that they all like turned into their own independent worlds instead, those that survived it. And uh, there's like various levels of civilization. Like some places are Mad Max looking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of has that vibe, you know, it's a very desperate future and that's something that we really wanted to try to convey to the player. So you, you, it's almost like Firefly. You guys know Firefly, I'm sure. Yeah. It's almost like that, that spaghetti sci-fi Western type where, yes, there's technology, yes, there's some advanced technology, but a lot of it's sort of backslid. And so you have kind of a, I would say, it's almost like in the um, Foundation series. So after Trantor, maybe 200 years before the fall, if, if that reference. So kind of where technology's kind of stagnated and decayed, but it's not quite to the point of the Great Sack, but it's getting there. That's kind of that 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 visual period. So you still have these military ships but right now, but you can't build bigger ones because you've lost the technology. You know, you can't, you know, your weapons are, are basically relics compared to what they were in the Terran Federation days. So everything is kind of, even though it's the future, things have kind of backslid and you essentially have to rediscover a lot of that lost technology. And that's where you have the, the houses of have, have kind of crept up and now you have, you know, almost baronies in space because the celestial empire the the emperors have gotten weaker and weaker and weaker over time allowing the great houses to get stronger to the point where almost they're almost a proxy kingdom uh yeah so is there is there an overarching like emperor and you're not it no you are the emperor you are the overarching emperor you lead the 
house, the ruling house. So there's six houses in the empire. There's your ruling house, and then there's five great houses. Gotcha. Um, so and yeah, and those houses kind of squabble with each other, and you got to keep them chill, or what? Exactly. Yes, they do squabble with each other. They squabble with you. They try to kill each other. <laughs> they expand, um, and that's where it's kind of that that there's that tug of it's my empire. These are my houses. I mean, they're not. I don't own the houses, but they do swear fealty to me. But they're not. Many of them are not very happy about, it. and and some are. Some you do have a good relationship with, and again, it depends on the game cultures. Similar cultures tend to get along a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. but, so, do the houses have a have a personality that? Oh yes, kind of like every game. It's consistent. It's not like it randomly puts like, yes. oh, this time that guy's a douche, but last yes. time like, like Charlie Finn is kind of the science house. So they're what's called a technic culture. So they're they'll always have a lot of uh, academies, but they'll have almost no military. You know, they they're not good at growing food. They're not really good at uh, uh, econo- at uh, economics, but they're really good at high tech, which is important because energy is a big part of the game. And then um, obviously uh, having your science points generated. So, you know, a big part of is in, in kind of that, that whole empire thing. So the, I'll just use the science as an example. So you generate science points uh, throughout your empire and they're generated that are staffed by academics. And so you get X amount of science points. Well, the thing is, the better relationship you have with a house, the more science points they will give, they will send to you essentially. But if you have a poor relationship with a house, um, they may not send you any of their science points. So if let's say Kirley Finn, they have, you know, 50 science points and you can only produce 10 because you're a military house. You as the player house, if you piss them off or if your relationship drops or if you go to war, they'll cut off their science. So you won't have access to it. And so your science uh, output will be almost nil. So you either have to start building it yourself or you have to find another house that has, you know, similar science skill or almost as good science skill and improve their relationship and get them on board with improving their science infrastructure. So, you know, if science is important to you and you can't rebuild it, then you better keep Kirli feeling happy and you better do anything you can to, to make that happen. And, and that's a real difference from a 4X where just everything is kind of there and it's all homogenous and there's no sense of, um, you know, I can't piss off this area of my empire or else I'm not going to get the resources. Um, right. But that's very entirely possible. In fact, that's a major part of the game. Is there is there like some gunboat diplomacy where you don't actually have to fight your own people, but if you park some battleships off their border, then they get the message? Kind oh, of yeah. Thing? Oh, yeah. There's intimidation. You can actually, you can send a battle, uh, we call them forces. You can send a battle force over the system capital or uh, house capital if you know you're going to be negotiating with somebody. And you can actually intimidate them, and the, the game will actually show you your your combat score. And that's uh, a big part of, um, you know, if you really want to do that, it'll yeah. piss them off and your fear level will go up, you know, throughout your empire. You have, you know, you have a popular support level and a fear level. And that's kind of like ruling the rebel way versus the empire way, you know, the imperial empire. And, uh, you know, you can do those things that are kind of strong arming, intimidating, military-ish, but that yeah. will cause your population to fear you and fear uh, support drops much quicker than popular support, whereas you're actually feeding your people and treating them right. So uh, you can also, um, if you, there's a claim system that's fairly complex in the sense that you you don't, you know, normally most 4X games, you see a plant a system, what do you do? You just send a scout, you go scout it, and then you go send a colony ship, and it's yours, and that's it. 
right? Right, like ninety nine percent of forexes out there. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, which which to me that always seemed incredibly simplistic. So in alliance, what you do first of all, um, you well, you know, you still scout a system. Very important too, by the way, because colonies are, are huge undertakings. They're not if you screw up on the placement. Um, well, anyway, so and they you, should you be huge undertakings. Out. They should be well, massive are. undertakings. It should be, but in so many games, it's not. You just say, oh, here's a colony ship. Go get them. Boom, new colony. And uh, so you, and then you have to claim the system. So you have a claim either by your influence, which kind of radiates out from your systems, depending on what you already have there. Like if you have a system that's, you've got multiple planets and, and, and outposts or whatnot, then you have a lot of influence. But each house has its own amount of influence. So, or if you don't have enough influence, you can send a battle fleet to that system to kind of be that gunboat diplomacy. So at that point, you then claim the system, or you can build an outpost. Outposts also um, add uh, influence to a system, and outposts don't actually need a, a claim to be built. So um, once you are ready to claim a system, once you have enough influence or feel like you can claim the system, you initiate a claim system project. When that project concludes, if you have the most influence, you then claim the system. At that point, you can then colonize. Uh, colony is a major project. It creates a system capital if it's a new system, or a province capital if it's a new constellation. And um, then here's the really funny part. Building a colony does not guarantee that anyone will actually show up. If you put it way too far out, like if you build it out in the back beyond and you you put it on like a lava planet or just a a nasty planet in general, um, there's no guarantee that colonists are going to come out there. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. That's great. Because pops have their own AI and they have their own agenda. And if you have everyone in your in your empire is happy, you know, their pops have individual planet happiness. They have individual whether they're employed or not. They have a, a unrest level. You know, it's very detailed. So if you build a shitty colony, pardon my French, <laughs> then no one can show up. And that's just the reality. And I've had to, you know, now if you build it on a nice planet and it's near the center of the empire, you know, you build jobs and all things being equal, people want to come for new opportunities. But you can't just build, you know, cause, ah, ha, ha, I'll build a new colony in the middle of my my house, my rival house, and it'll pull all their people. And, and that can work if the plant colony you're building is fantastic and you've got a great viceroy in there. But if you build on a lava or barren planet or greenhouse planet and you put a viceroy there that's um, kind of a a-hole, which is a thing in the game, you, they, you know, pops can fear or love an, a, a viceroy, then uh, hardly anyone's going to come. And you're basically going to have this huge outlay on your on your uh, expenses for nothing. That is wonderful so. because so many games like, Oh, I built a colony ship. People are just there and you know, they're happy or they're not like, like there's a, there's, there's a difference between abstraction and just laziness, I think in a lot of these games. And uh, it's really nice to know that that's a thing that could happen. You know, that's a th- in your game. Uh, you can build a colony. You can lay out all this money for it, all this time, all these action points, blah, blah, blah. And no one will come to it. <laughs> yep. And I mean, and you'll have a clue, you know, your, your, your vizier will tell you um, when you build the project, they'll, they'll say, you know, your, your majesty, you know, this may not be the right place to build, you know, there's there, cause you'll be able to know if, if, if pops are happy around there because that's where you're pulling your population from. They don't just grow out of the ground. So if, if everyone's happy in that system or in the systems around, nobody wants to leave, then that's probably not the right place to build it. So, 
Um, you won't be go- you won't be going completely, uh, but you know, it's just use common sense. You know, build a build a colony on a nice planet that has good resources, that's near other planets where there aren't enough jobs or people aren't happy, and you will have absolutely no problem having colonists come flocking to your planet. Oh, and don't put an a hole in charge. You do those things, it's easy. But but like you said, I like that it's not taken for granted, and you can't just you know the 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 idea of finding the right planet should be a thing. You know, mm-hmm. it shouldn't just you know. In this game, you may not you may not colonize more than five or six planets because you want to pick the right one. Now you may build a bunch of outposts. Outposts are are a lot less important. You know, people will come because there's jobs no matter what. And and but for out for colonies, you know, and and kind of you just said it. They should be a huge thing. Like building a colony should be one of the biggest things you do as an empire in any four X because it, it represents so many technologies. And, and 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 just things you do. Like I remember playing Galactic Civilizations and I think it was three. And then when you colonize a planet, you got this cool video, like, you know, you have finally reached beyond the stars and you know your 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 uh you know your uh culture has has reached beyond and we now settle a new adventure. Like it felt and it had, you know, big high heavy music and you know orchestral swelling. It's like, yes, that's how it should feel. That's a, it's a big deal even though you pretty much only had to do the same thing, build a colony ship and send it, but it's felt, it felt like a big thing. So that's kind of what you should feel. And, and, and I just saw someone, you may not colonize, take my money, please give it to us. We have a Kickstarter, but I mean, that's another thing too. You know, (laughs) I despise, I despise micromanaging 40 planets because the computer the job as I do. But if I have, you know, each house may only have five or six planets, but they're very detailed. You know, they, they, they're detailed. All the pops are very detailed, as we've talked about. They have regions that have their own type of fauna and, and you know, defense and what's built there. And it's just the very we, – we often make planets very detailed um, because that's the foundation of the economy and of the, you know, movement of pops and, 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 and what have you. So planets themselves are extremely – I would wager our planets are more detailed than any other 4X out there. That's not like a – you know, obviously Emperor of the Fading Sun's different because you're fighting on the planet and you're moving your forces. But as far as just abstracted planets, I will give money that Alliance's planets are more detailed than any other game out there. I believe it because you're not only dealing with the those particular planets, but like the people on those planets, like each of those planets, they might have what is it, a governor, I think? Yeah, Viceroy, um, huh? Yeah, Viceroy. So it's like it's I mean, planets aren't just a collection of pops and buildings. Like they have a leader, they have needs, you know, they have, you know. Yeah. So how, how much control do you have over the planetary government? Can you like reach in fire governors and stuff or. Yes. No, that's a great question. So if it's your own, so the planets are called holdings. So each house has their own holdings. So even though hmm. again, an empire, you don't control directly all the planets, which further reduces micromanagement. So if it's your own holding, you have pretty much free reign. You can reach into the planet level. You can tell the Viceroy, hey, I want you to change production. I want you to um, have more you know, academics training in our, in our academies. I want to increase production levels. I want to, um, you know, I want to increase trade. I want to increase our retail. There is a com- complex, a comprehensive retail um, uh, system in the game. But anyway, so you can do that if it's your planet. But if it's someone else's holding, it's entirely up to the Viceroy 
to decide that. You can't just say, hey, I need you to ramp up the retail level. Um, it has to be in their house's best interest and in their viceroy's best interest. Now, if your power is 60 and their power is eight, they're going to do it just because you're so much more powerful than them and you have that influence. But if your power is 20 and theirs is 25, then they're going to be like, nah, you know, and especially if you're not friends, you know, like, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, and then, of course, the house relationship matters as well. That kind of plays plays a part. But essentially, you cannot fire someone else's viceroy. You can exile them. You can have them assassinated. Um, you can scare them. You can intimidate them enough to leave the post. But you cannot just flat out fire them like you can for your holdings. You can ask yeah. the house leader to remove them and replace them with some of your choice. But again, that's a request. They can deny that. Hmm. But can you assassinate them? You absolutely can. Well, you can try. You have your okay. squads, which are basically your 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 uh, dread squads, um, and essentially they do your dirty business, they do your spying, and they do your black ops. Um, you can only have a very small number, uh, and the more inquisitor squads you have roaming around your empire, the higher your fear level goes. So, but they are super super handy to have. That that all sounds that all sounds incredible. Like yeah, I, I played for an hour yesterday and I didn't even get into that spy stuff. I was just like, I want, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to get to know you. I just want to have little tea parties with everybody. And I love how that's a thing you can do <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, and, uh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. After you, after you. Well, I'm just saying, sorry, I get really excited when I talk about the game because it's a lot to that talk you about. should and that you should. And that's that's why we like having you back, because, you know, it's it's infectious. So please get excited about it's your right. game. It's what I do No, um, you can actually let's say you have someone that just doesn't want to deal with you in any way. You can have an intransigent house leader, you know, someone that's pretty powerful and can basically tell you no. You can actually help their friends. There's another level. So, you know, there's multi-level relationships. So let's say they have a friend who's also a house leader that you are in better terms with. And let's say you, you heal them. It's something you can do in the game. You can actually heal characters that are dying, cost you money out of your treasury, but you can do that. That's a big deal. Their house will appreciate it, but their friends will appreciate it as well. And that will improve your relationship with this person, even though you may be not directly able to do anything positive. Um, you can also hurt their enemies. If you, you know, if you exile one of their enemies or challenge them or insult them, or do something negative, a hostile action, then they will also um, like you better, essentially. So, you know, it, 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 you have to think on multiple levels, too, because you think, well, if I give someone a, a post on the Celestial Council, which is a big deal, it's like basically like the cabinet of the U.S., and it's very prestigious. But if I give someone that seat, then their enemies are going to hate me a lot more. And I had a situation in one of the games I played earlier where I was trying to make nice with the house leader, and I was about to promote them to the council. I was trying to get them to the next level of friendship, but I looked at their relationship tab, and I noticed that their worst enemy was the leader of House Waldegrove, which I was trying to keep off my back. And if I had put them on the council seat without checking that, House Waldegrove, their their, um, house leader probably would have dropped all the way to a vengeance uh, rating or a vendetta, which is very low and basically mm-hmm. probably taking their house with them. So it's just things you have to consider. Um, you know, we were already kind of on pretty shaky terms. It's not like you go from friends to enemies, just, just like that. It takes time, but it's something that you have to consider. 
So you make a big move, you have to look at not just the immediate effects, but is this going to piss somebody off that I really would? Mm-hmm. In that case, I'm not promoting her because I didn't want to deal with Waldegrove on my back. I promoted someone else completely different. So, you know, that's that level of strategy that, you know, we hope is fun and that people kind of say, you know, this is really a, a people simulator. You know, you're people- simulating your empire and the, the personalities within it and keeping them happy. Yeah, people love that kind of stuff. And Aries, which is funny about the name, Aries brings up a, a good question. Like, he asked if you already discussed war and combat. And I was going to lead into that. Like, you're talking about, like, what if you have this house that hates you so much, they just, like, flat out declare whatever. It, is it war? Would it be war? Even though you're in the same empire, would they, like, secede and declare no, war? It's like, yeah, it's not war. It's actually called challenges. So, you have kind of a ritualized combat. We, you know, in the, in the 31st century, the idea being that humanity's kind of fallen pretty far, and so having internecine wars um, would kind of end up probably wiping out all humanity. So, part of the empire, you have actually these ritualized combats between houses. You have to issue a house challenge, just like you can issue a personal challenge. You have a house challenge, and you can challenge an honor challenge, which basically um, is an honor uh, a challenge for a certain amount of power. Or a territory challenge, which is basically you saying, I want that system or I want that province. And you go and you essentially go to war for it. And so in that respect, um, you issue a challenge. Um, you, you know, what type of challenge you bid for a certain war score. If it's an honor challenge, otherwise a, a, a um, territory challenge is the amount, you know, what, whatever you're trying to, to take over. And then you basically fight and you do fight. And it's very, you know, you have your own forces uh, and, that, and that's an area of the game that we're kind of taking a second pass at because we don't want the game to be too micro because the idea is you're the emperor. I've never understood why you would sit there and be, you know, designing ships from scratch and dragging <laughs> slots into ships and, and blueprints. Like, what the hell? And so, you're not an admiral either, So, but you're moving your forces around a map. It's like, God, I, I hate yeah. that. Yep. So the idea is, so you have, when you build a force and you build ships, so when you build ship, let's say a destroyer, you build a destroyer and it's basically just a stock destroyer. It's just, there's no role for it. You can then create forces that are specialized. So you say to your war prime, because your war prime is who's actually doing this. I want a combat force and you have templates that you choose and you can choose the template. So it could have say two command destroyers, three combat destroyers, uh, two scout frigates, uh, one supply frigate, and a, and a cutter for uh, recon. And you have these templates that you choose, and then the ships that you built will then be put into that role. They'll essentially be kitted into these different roles. And there's roles for combat, scouting, interdiction, uh, planet bombing, uh, terror, uh, command, because you have, you have to have a certain amount of command points for the, to perform well. And then, But you don't do any of that. All you do is say, I want this type of force. And as long as you have the ships for it, um, your war prime will pull that force together and kit them out automatically. So, and then um, you send those forces. Well, let's say you want to attack a system. You just go to the military uh, command mode and you go to the military overlay and you say, oh, I want to attack that system. Um, you'll get like, a, you, you saw it in the tutorial, you'll get a, a menu of options. Um, you know, you can bombard, attack, terrorize, whatever. And, Here's the cool part. Again, your war prime is doing all this, not you. So if you have not declared war, a challenge against that house, if you're just saying, you know, screw it, I just want to attack this house, 
and do it without honor, your war prime may refuse to do it. Your hmm. war prime may also refuse to attack if it's their house. You know, if you're attacking the house of your war prime, they're like, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So then you have a decision to make. Do I go do something different or do I sack my war prime? And then all the repercussions that come from that. So your war prime is autonomous and has the ability to tell you, no, I'm not doing that. That's a tro- that's an atrocity. That's not uh, honorable or that's my house and you're not going to do that. So, um, but for, you know, your war prime agrees, they give you the odds, you select a a level of commitment. And then um, you basically, from there, the war prime takes over. They send the forces that are needed. They pull, if there's transports, they pull the troops. As long as you've got them built, they'll put them on transport, send them to the planet. Um, You know, you'll get a a pop-up that says, you know, we've arrived. This is the force level. This is what we expect to happen. Do you wish to call off the attack? Yes or no. And if you say no, then they go in and you get the results. And then you can decide to either retreat or, you know, press the attack. Or if it's a planet invasion, you know, go ahead and invade. So it's a fairly complex system. What we want to make sure, though, is that it's still fun for players and that we're just not, it's not too hands-off. So, um what we've toyed with is the idea of a war plan where when you're creating the plan say to attack a system, you can say, okay, I want these planets attacked. I want to use these forces. I want this Admiral leading and, and we'll, we'll actually have an idea of a task for task force where you can have multiple forces um, mm. there. So we haven't put that in yet, but that's kind of on the table. We're, we're in the process of designing that, but you know, right, like right now what you see, well, actually that's a sit rep, but, uh, but yeah, so, so, but it's nice because you can just say, I want this planet and your group or I want this system, take it over and your war prime will do everything else. And you know, you'll have points along the way where your war prime is like, are you sure you want to continue or this is what's happening or something's come up. But, and that's what an emperor would do. An emperor wouldn't be involved in all the intricate war planning. You know, I want this, you know, I, I want this ship and this ship and this ship, and I want them outfitted with like super laser guns. And this one needs to have a bomber Mark two and, I mean, it's it's too much. <laughs> so it's just not that kind of game. You know, our ultimate goal, you should be able to play 80% of the game from the province or uh, galaxy level, you know, through your houses or through your prime. So um, you know, a lot of people like the system. Um, some people felt like it didn't give you quite enough choice in, you know, what force. Like if I just built a cool new force, a uh, new attack force, like a medium-sized attack force, I want to be able to say, I want that force to go. So we're just trying to kind of say, okay, you'll have some choice in what forces and what targets, but we still want the war prime to do the majority of that. Yeah. Here, here on the screen. Now this kind of shows you, you won't see the offense, but on defense, it basically just, you click select, you say how much you want and see where it says recommended. Your war prime will tell you whether or not it's recommended. So you'll have that advice as well. So that's essentially the military system. And then when you invade a planet, your forces are dropped. They're kind of airdropped. You can research technologies to improve the chances of their survival. They get dropped into a region, and then combat is conducted region by region. Uh, each army has up to three move points, which means they can move three regions per turn. Turns are three months long. They fight the local forces if there's no armies, or they fight armies that are there. Um, each region may have a, a local defense that they have to fight, uh, and then each region has a control points from zero to 25. And so when you reach 25 control, you take over that region. When you take over over half the control points on a planet, you then essentially control the planet. I'm simplifying a lot, but that's, that's the gist of it. Uh, Aries again asks in the chat, can the houses go at war with each other? Uh, Yes, they do. 
Um, that now the AI is not very robust in that sense, but yes, the plan is ultimately, yes, houses will go to war with each other. Um, well, war being they will challenge each other essentially. Mm. So yes. So before you get into a war, do you have to kind of declare like, these are the victory conditions? Yes. Like this, this is the terms that I'm about to go to war for. Yes. And, okay. For a, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Cause, it, Cause that's the thing that, you know, it's, it's like, I'm I'm going to war until you comply with whatever, or you give me this, or you know whatever. Because that way, wars aren't just open ended. You know, like hey, we're in, we don't know how we get out, and and whatever, right? So if 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 the two parties involved have goals at the onset, it's like well, whoever achieves their victory condition, that way wars aren't just a. Uh, well, let me see how how far into your territory I can push and how much I can devastate your stuff, and then I keep what I kill. Yeah, yeah, no, we we use kind of the war score system. I'm sure y'all are familiar with like yeah. Universalis, Hearts of Iron, etc. So you have an idea of a war score. So for a territory challenge, you just have to take the territory that you're trying to target. Um, so think of it as a causes belly for that specific. If you want to put it in these terms, you have a causes belly on a specific system or province or planet. And you're only fighting for that planet. So right. and you make that clear. Now on an honor challenge, you bid a certain amount of war score. Like you can bid anywhere from 10 up to your the maximum war score that you have, and that's determined essentially by your holdings plus your military. And uh, that war score, and let's say you bid 20. So then you would you bid three times your war score. That's the amount of power that can be is at, at stake, essentially your house power. If you look at the upper left-hand corner where it says 844 on the screen. That is your house power. And a big part of winning the game is your house power has to be five times greater than every other house combined. Um, and that includes, you know, houses that are subjugated or um, vassalized. So you include your power in that. So power is really important. So in that case, I have war score of 20. So I just have to conquer 20 points worth of war score before they do. Uh, war score is gained by conquering systems, planets, destroying other, you know, armies, destroying other units. Uh, trashing system defenses, anything you do on a military scale earns a certain war war score. Um, They're also earning war score. So, you know, you could have a war where you, you know, you took a planet, but you trashed so much of your army and in your, in your Navy to do it, that you essentially, the war score is essentially evened out. So you can't have Pyrrhic victories in that case. So does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Now what about like, um, like population happiness as affected by war score stuff. Like, do you ever get your own people like push back? Like, Hey, Hey, that's enough war. You know, like, yes. Yeah, you do. You have fear and you're each, uh, culture will react slightly differently. So a Sparta culture will be less unhappy about war. They'll actually be okay with it. But other, other cultures in your empire will generally not like it. And then you also have what's called devastation. So on a planet, as you're taking it over, you have a devastation rating. And so the higher the devastation, the basically the harder you fight over the planet, the more forces it takes. If you bomb the planet, you know, orbital kinetic strikes, et cetera, you're devastating the planet. And that also creates fear throughout your empire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Because yeah, you, you end up with a mix where you have different personalities of houses that you're dealing with. So like the Spartan people, maybe they they respect being shown power more so than like the 
the like capitalist dudes that you can just go in and buy. Absolutely. Yeah. Like traditionalists would be horrified. Gilded worlds would be horrified because they're all about kind of the, um, you know, administration and sort of being very ethereal. But yeah, your warlike uh, cultures will be okay with that because that's what they know and, the, and their cultures are okay with using that as a, as a strategy. So, um, and that's why the culture aspect has been kind of talked down, but you know, your house is, your, your empire is made up of these six disparate cultures and each house represents a culture, um, you know, and they have their own uh, traditions. You know, we talked earlier about how certain houses are good at certain things, not good at certain things that all stems from their culture. So you can kind of get to know, as you know, these houses, how they're going to react when you do certain things. So there is a bit of predictability in the houses, but like not like just in maybe how they'll react to things, but like there's still a lot of variability as well. Oh yeah. Well, the houses, because there's, there's currently 12 great houses and we're going to expand that to 20. And then plus we have a Kickstarter. That's one of the tiers. You can actually create your own great house. And depending on how many people sign up for that, we may have as many as 30 great houses and those will be auto rolled for in every game. So you may have six completely different or five completely different great houses every game. So you have, you know, three Spartac houses and three Technic houses and three um, what we call Neo-American houses, which are kind of generic, you know, the quote-unquote balanced human <laughs> uh, mm. culture. And they have Mercantile, Gilded World. So each house, there'll be several houses that correspond to that culture, but each culture will be represented in the game. So if, if you're Spartac, um, there'll be only there'll be no more than one other Spartac culture representing the other houses. You can never have more than two Spartac houses or Technic houses or whatever. Um, just, you know, because the idea is that the empire is a, a polyglot of cultures and people. And so that dynamic is represented. Yeah. Does it kind of balance the cultures out? Like if, if you have the leaders intermarry or whatever, this, well, cause I mean, marriage right now, has been a tool in, in a lot of the civilization stuff. So, yeah, right now marriage is not, it's something you can't, really do you know it's, it's something because people are like oh it's crusader king you should have you know you know all these lines of succession well the thing is the game is the scope is only you if you die you get the game over screen there's no air there's no you know there's no line of succession that's it so you don't have a dynasty you are the dynasty you, you are the dynasty. yeah you're it you're the last child i mean you're you're it you have no heir so um you know the whole idea of primogeniture and all that is not really a part of this game. It's not in, in, in that respect. It's definitely not like crusader Kings. You, you can't marry, you know, you can't marry other houses. And that's where like, I think stellar empires, that kind of game is a little bit more or star dynasties is a little bit more. That's more that what that game is trying to do there. You do have dynasties. You do have intermarriage, things like that. Uh, Alliance is really more about the character relationship vis-a-vis the emperor and the strategy and kind of growing your empire and facing this existential threat. Right. So you have to move the entire, you have to drag the entire empire forward. Exactly. Um, that's actually an excellent way of doing it. And you're but, doing it from a position of strength. And that's the kind of the, the conceit of the game is you're not this all powerful emperor. You're mortal. You're a kid. You know, you just, you know, you just got your rule and everyone's kind of like, nah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really trust this guy or this girl. So, 
you're already kind of starting with one hand behind your back. You know, again, every other 4X game, what do you do? You're plopped in the beginning of a, you've got a planet with a scout ship and a transport. And, you know, you, you know, this, you're already plopped into a fully functioned empire that's been around for uh, centuries with all the history and, and what's happened in that. So I think it was like a little bit of Dwarf Fortress where this, all this has kind of been created. It's not to that level. I don't want to, I don't want to mislead. It's definitely not that complex, but there is a history that's been generated in your houses and your characters and your planets and your systems all have that history. So, um, so it's kind of different there. I do see a question. How many different cultures are all in there? There's actually six cultures currently. Those are called your core cultures. Uh, there's Spartac. There is Neo-American. There is Technic. There is Gilded Worlds. There is uh, Mercantile and Traditionalist. So, and, and, and as we uh, get the game towards a full release, we're going to add six additional cultures for the middle ring and then six cultures for the outer ring. So there'll be 18 cultures in the game total when it's released as a, as a full release. You're and, you'll, and you'll only have to deal with um, five at a time because there's six houses in a game, Correct. basically. Correct. Yeah, your, your house culture will always be the one you pick when you set it up. And then the other five will be varied depending on, on yours. So you'll never have more than one other culture that matches what you picked. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like there's going to be a, it sounds like this game is going to have a lot of legs, basically. I hope so. You know, the, the idea that the culture, you know, your, your empire changes so dramatically every playthrough. Cause you look at it, if you didn't know, you're like, Oh, you're always starting in constellation Gnosis and you're always on Neo Cyrus and new Terra, but you're the, the empire around you will change dramatically. You know, I've had three different games that I've done on my streams. I've had three completely different problems. One, I was running out of energy. One, I was running, I didn't have any uh, administrative capacity. I only had like 105, so I, I couldn't really do any projects. And one, my, my economy was very, very poor. And I had a terrible uh, Viceroy leading my new Terra, which is like my economic powerhouse. So, you know, every playthrough, you'll have different challenges that you have to overcome to kind of get your empire back on back off its legs. I mean, it's, it, it just all sounds really awesome. And, uh, I do want to pivot now into the Kickstarter because we have, we've, we've, we've touched on it a little bit, but I want to talk about, Oh my God. I'm sorry. I don't know if you can hear that. Uh, my cat is, yeah, my cat's not happy right now. It's about feeding. It's about fooding time. And she expects, uh, she really expects to be fed now, now, now. She demands um, service. I have cats in my own. I get it. <laughs> Excuse me. So uh, you're now about halfway through your Kickstarter. <coughs> Damn it. There should Excuse be me. a game that's like a, a space empire thing, except except you're like the Martians from uh, Master of Orion, and you just have like pet humans that have to feed you. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you can, it's, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of engines out there for you to make that game. Yeah. Um, no, I was gonna ask. Uh, yeah, your Kickstarter is uh, Kickstarter is a thing is a rough thing, and I I feel for anyone trying to do one because so many of them have the same pattern. You start strong, and there's a medium hump, and then people like for the last week like, oh yeah, that I wanted to back that. And it's really stressful for the last few days. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, we're we're actually about a third of the we're a little over a third of the way through it. Um, we're closing on thirty percent. I mean, I mean, we're not doing terribly, but yeah, it's like you said, we had a good, we had a really strong start. One thing I didn't realize, I did some research. A friend of mine pointed this out that done a Kickstarter, and I didn't realize this until very, I literally today. Forex um, games have a terrible history on Kickstarter. Apparently, there have been quite oh. a few, I guess, oh. uh, high slow delivery type projects over the last several years. Oh. Um, Particular genre, and yeah, so I, I don't know if that's had an effect, but you know, I did some reason. Yes, there have been quite a bit of ambitious projects that have kind of met in a timely end, you know, and I, and I get it, yeah. you know, and what we and that's why we're doing so many streams. You know, I do three to four streams a week. You know, we have uh, we make no bones about the game. I mean, the game is playable. I mean, you've been you said yourself you played it for hours. You know, it's it's rough. I mean, obviously, it's got bugs, but it's playable. I mean, you can it's play very for hours. playable. Yeah, it's very playable. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're not trying to pull the wool of saying, "Wow, this great game!" Like we have this theory where we can make this game, and we have a few screenshots and art. Like, no, it's a thing. Like you can play it. You can play it today. But here's some things we want to do with it. We want to expand it. We want to add more tooltips. We want to improve the tutorial. We want to make you know cut the bugs stability improve the ui i mean there's things we want to do and it will take you know seven eight months which we've made clear on the on the kickstarter and what's neat about it is we've only had two people actually cancel their pledge i think we're up to 240 something pledges what um, why so do what why oh, do people, people cancel can- their funds people do it i mean that's really low that's what my point though that's super low uh typically a, a project can have up to five five to ten percent cancellations so we've been extremely stable as far as that goes, but um, you know, right now, yeah, we're kind of hitting that wall, you know, we're trying to get the word out with streamers, you know, thank you guys for having us on. Cause you know, you guys have been kind of a friend of the court since, since, you know, a long time ago, hmm. but it's like people hear about the game and they're like, Oh, that sounds really cool. I wish I'd heard about that sooner, you know, but we don't have, you know, we're not a big studio. We don't have a marketing arm and, you know, it's really just word of mouth. And, and so we, um, you know, it's, 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 we're below where we want to be. We're not terribly below, but we're lower than we want it to be, but we're still, you know, within range of, of making it happen. But, you know, we just need people. If you like what you see, you know, if you're watching the stream and you're like, that game sounds amazing. You know, that is the game we're going to make, you know, I, I don't make that clear. We're not shooting for the stars. These aren't things that we can't do. I mean, this is all basically, in the game already. It's just kind of tweaking and balancing and adding some, some, some uh, functionality, but the game can be made and it will be made. I mean, it'll be made if it takes me 10 years, but we want it not to take as long. So, you know, if you, if you like what you see, tell people, you know, you know, just uh, back it, tell other people about it. Um, Yeah. But uh, we will make the game. You don't have to worry about us disappearing in obscurity. Well, I mean, I'm, I know you will make it because you've been working on it so long now. You have to see it through. I know this. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, folks, if you could, uh, there are links in the chat. There are links on the stream pages. There's uh, going to be links in the show notes for the podcast. Um, there, uh, yeah, if you could back the game on Kickstarter... I'm looking at the camera, even though it's not on. Uh, <laughs> I do that during my stream. I'm so used to looking at the camera. The fireplace behind you, yes. What was that? We see, I, in my mind's eye, I see you with a fireplace <laughs> behind you and a pipe in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Masterpiece Theater. Today we're going to talk about... Uh, <laughs> no, um, 
Yeah, friends, if you could head to head to uh, Kickstarter and check out the game. This this game's been one we've had our eye on for a long time. And uh, wait, Kickstarter has notorious problems. If you want to back from another country, oh, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Thorsten. Yeah, I was a lot friendlier, but Kickstarter is kind of more of a known. You know, we kind of went back and forth. Yeah. From it was actually a much better platform and they're very um, international. Um, but at the end of the day, we saw, we knew Kickstarter, they're based in the U S and they have an overall, you know, just stronger reputation. They've been around longer. So yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, like I, people... I definitely other, other countries. Oh, thanks. Ponicus. Got a backer right there. Um, hey, thank you. Ponicus. Sound effect or something. <laughs> um, okay. I do. I do uh, thank all of our backers individually when we have our streams. So if you back, um, you know, within the next stream, I actually call out your name and thank you because I think it's important to. It's very uh, important. That's great. Every, every pledge, no matter what, it's five bucks or five hundred, is just as important. And that's someone that thinks positively of the game. So it's just something we do. Yeah, there are and there are other. Pl- you, 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 I think you did right choosing Kickstarter because I've seen other games try to do like Indiegogo. And um, there was a there was a high profile game that went to Fig, and I'm not going to say which game it is, but they ran a terrible campaign, and be, and being on Fig didn't help them because I mean, how many games have you done on Fig? How many games have you backed on Fig? You know, <laughs> I think I've, I've backed a few. I've backed like two, one or two. Um. I think the most successful one was Homeworld. Um, they did Fig, I think, for Homeworld 3, and that did well. But it's Homeworld, for God's sakes. I mean, they could have gone anywhere, and uh, and they would have done fine. But uh, there are a couple of projects I've seen recently on Indiegogo. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, yes, Ponicus, I believe Wasteland 3 was the like first big Fig game i think you're right um yeah i think you're right uh and jeff yes you are right about the one i I don't want to say it but you're right about the one that i was thinking of the terrible campaign um i just don't want to say it out loud myself um so so kickstarter is i i feel i feel for anyone who tries to do a kickstarter because there's there's also a fatigue around Kickstarter um, where, uh, you know, there have been so many projects and, you know, there have been a lot of successful ones, but yeah, there have been some really, really high profile failures. And um, it's, it's a little, I'm sure it's scary to, to, to put yourself out there like this, you know? Well, it is. And, and, uh, you know, I, I've been talking to people that have gone through Kickstarters, uh, Jeff actually being one of them. And, you know, he's given me some really good advice about uh, kind of not getting too high or too low. Because, I mean, you know, we're not we're still in range. You know, it's not like we you know, we need thirty thousand dollars. We're closing in on eight thousand and we're a little over a third of the way. So we're not you know, we're not just at five percent with 10 days to go or something crazy. But, yeah, it is it is uh, a little nervous to kind of see that curve flatten out. We actually had a good day yesterday. And I think if we can just get the word out, um, you know, it just takes one. And I appreciate uh, who said, uh, 
nomadic jam. Thank you. You know, post a link on your discord, just anything, anything you can do, even if it's just, you know, Hey, uh, someone was going to post on uh, something awful on the something awful forum, which is a huge community. And they, it's that's a huge community. And just it's like, Hey, I found this game. I think you guys might like it. Um, you know, something like that could, could drive a whole lot of traffic. And then it takes only one person that saw that to say, you know what? I want to stream that game. I've got 25,000 people on my stream and I'd like to feature your game. So that's how the word of mouth happens. So it's not, you know, obviously a pledge would be great, but if you can't do that, just spreading the word, if you really like what you see and you can speak to it with passion, because we can't go on. I mean, I can go on a, a forum or I can go on a, a, a Reddit or whatever, but I'm not part of that community. I can just pop on a forum and say, Hey, I've got a game, but you know, most forums don't like that, that self-promotion. So, but if you're part yeah. of that community, know you and you've built the rapport and then you're like hey i saw this game now you're kind of a trusted voice and now that has a lot more weight than the developer just popping in to essentially drop a press release so you know that really helps us you know in the absence of a pledge or or in conjunction with a pledge but if you can't pledge i totally understand it's the holidays you know coronavirus economy i totally Ugh, get it yeah but uh, just telling people about us would be worth a tremendous amount, literally, yeah. because it just takes one person to get catch fire about the game and then tell, you know, so many others. So um, you know, we're grateful for any any press we can get, hopefully positive, but uh, you know, any way we can get the word out. And you know, we're working our end too. I'm reaching out to game magazines and and streamers and websites and things like that. So we're not just asking everyone to go out and do our work for us, but you know, we, we definitely <laughs> would help us in addition to what we're doing. <laughs> Uh, people do want to know um, if the Kickstarter doesn't work out and we all hope it does, of course, but if it doesn't, will you consider going into early access on steam, which of course has its own um, sorted history, but it can be successful if done right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a complicated question. Um, the yeah. answer is we've considered it and we have a, significant number of wish lists. I mean, it's, it's, it's not minimal um, because we've had it on steam for over a year. So if we dropped it on steam early access, even in the, you know, as it is today, we would probably make a decent amount of money on it. That being said, we, I, I've always been a strong believer in an early access product being as polished and professional as possible. Uh, I know there are some developers that drop it on early access basically to fund it. And that's their funding source is early access. Ugh. And I'm, I'm not here to judge those people because I'm not, in I am. Shoes. I'll judge well, them. I'll, I'll totally judge them. But I'm not going because I understand And Look, if you have no other way and you've got a game you're working on and you've got something that you can, you know, plop out there. What, what annoys me is when people use early access and it's look, if you're going to use it, this is me, this is my, taking off my developer's hat. This is just my opinion. When you use that platform as early access, you need to be crystal clear about, look, we know the game is not in the state that it's ready for forward. We know that here's our roadmap. Here's what we're going to do. It may take a year, but you need to know that you're getting a, you know, badly in need of, of, of tender loving care and, and whatever features are missing. And that just needs to be made explicitly clear. And that's when I have a problem when I see a game that, is clearly like 40% done and it's not made explicitly clear in the early release notes or in the, you know, so that, that sticks in my crawl. But as long as you're honest and just say, look, this is what's missing. This is our roadmap. This is when we'll have X, you know, uh, uh, feature in, this is when we'll have Y feature in, this is when we'll, you know, have a beta, you know, that 
I can get behind as long as they continue to keep their word and hit those milestones roughly. So again, <laughs> milestones, they can slip. I'm well aware of that, but you know, just, and, and, and also stay, stay connected. So yes, that's a possibility. Um, you know, we really want to make the Kickstarter. That's really our, our, our plus, um, you know, there might be other options open to us. Can't really talk about any of those, but there might be additional options, but those aren't, you know, anything that's confirmed or guaranteed, but, um, you know, we want to make this game and the Kickstarter will be the best way for us to do that. I really don't want to put it on early access. Um, unless there's just literally no other choice and I would exhaust, I would, I would say that it would be our absolute last resort. Um, it would mean that we've exhausted every other opportunity, every other funding opportunity, every other opportunity of financing, um, you know, and at this point, but at that point we would make it very clear, look, this is our situation to finish this game. We need to put it in early access. Um, we need people to buy it so we can continue to, um, to work on it. So, Yes. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Sorry. I'm still getting used to muting and unmuting my mic manually. Um, uh, yeah, that does. Answer, I think that does answer the question very well because again, it shows your passion about the project. You want to do what's absolute best for the game. Um, and, and, it, and your answer shows that, uh, well, thank you. I mean, and, and being on the other side, it's easy for people that don't make games to kind of throw stones and say, oh, that, you know, this game's terrible. You know what? They just want to put a trash product. I don't I, I believe that there are a few studios that just put trash because they don't care. But I think the vast majority of developers do intend to make a good game. I think they may get into water that's a little too deep um, for whatever reason, either development or programming or art or design or what have you. And then they just don't know how to get out of the water. And so rather than learning to swim, they just drown and they leave the the project in whatever state it's in. So, you know, and I don't think it's malicious. I don't think it's a money grab for most. I think it's just literally um, some studios, some individual developers bite off more than they can chew and they just don't see a way out. That's just my opinion. And, and that makes total sense. And, yeah, I mean, most most game most developers really want to put out a good product, but it's so sad to go to Steam and and be like, "Wow, that's a lot of garbage." That is so much garbage, because um, there is there's so much garbage. Um, but your game is not garbage, and um, <laughs> so friends, we gotta start wrapping it up. Um, so the game is Alliance of the Sacred Sons. It is currently on Kickstarter and will be until January 3rd. Um, there should be links in the, uh, in the streams, on the stream pages, but there will also be links in the show notes of the actual MP3 when this goes out in a couple of days. So please do check it out. Uh, we've been fans of this game for a while. Uh, that's why we keep bringing Steve back, because we like this game. We like Steve. So we would love, we would love to bring him back at least one more time when this Kickstarter is successful and the game hits successful 1.0. That would that would be a great fourth appearance, y'all. So if you could help make that happen, that would be truly fantastic. (laughs) I I use that as a quote. Can I put that on my Kickstarter? Space Age Junkies, 100 not not garbage. You can absolutely use that as a quote. Uh, Someone in the chat also said. 
you only colonize four or five planets in a game. That should also be a quote. Because <laughs> well. planetary micromanagement is one thing I hate about Space 4X games. So you're absolutely right about that. I dig that so much. Um, so yeah, again, guys, Alliance of the Sacred Suns. Uh, it's on Kickstarter. Please do check it out. We are not having a podcast next week because it's Christmas week. And so we're taking the ho, week ho, off. Ho, 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 ho. Wow. Uh, well, now, I'll just report. We've gotten eight new pledges. Seven wait, new pledges. Uh, stream began. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, everybody. Fantastic. And I don't that's, think it's coincidence. <laughs> thank you, everybody. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, so yeah, no, uh, no podcast next week because it's Christmas week. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, that was really stupid. <laughs> it's your fault, Hunter. You did the ho, ho, ho thing. And that's exactly, but you know what? First. I'm telling you, man, you guys what? watch that. You watch that, uh, diehard stuff and you're missing it because invasion USA is the better Christmas movie. Invasion USA, really? We'll have to look. Yeah, I'll, have man. To, I'll have to track that down. Um, but Jim and I watched a- search for YouTube the mall scene from Invasion USA. Oh, it happens. It's a Chuck Norris in a monster truck rampaging through a mall, killing a mall? terrorists at oh, Christmas. God. Yes. Oh God, that sounds amazing. Yep. Um, but folks, we will we will be back in two weeks. We're going to have the developer of the Bridge Sim. Uh, Starship Horizon on the show in a couple of weeks. And we're actually going to play the game as we talk because it's an internet bridge sim uh, that multiple people can play at once, kind of like Artemis. Is it Artemis? Yeah, Artemis and Does it do uh, any other quintets or just bridge? Yeah. Captain's Log <laughs> Supplemental. That's all. do. It'll be good to have back on. Phasers to sudden interest in botany setting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Bit of a limp setting. (laughs) Did I leave the oven on setting? Um, (laughs) Folks, if you haven't seen the Eddie Izzard bit about Star Trek and the different phasers, that different settings that phasers should have, go look it up on YouTube. Why haven't they let Eddie Izzard be Doctor Who yet? I don't understand. He would be great question. He would I don't know if they'd ever offer. I don't know. I don't know if they would ever offer it to him. I don't know if they have or not, but he would be a wonderful doctor. Who. You're absolutely right. Um, as long as he had good writers, that is the thing that plagues doctor who these days is they get great actors, not so great writers. So that's, that's why doctor who I think is not so great these days. Cause I mean, they had Peter Capaldi on there. He's such a good actor. And yet so many of his episodes didn't were, do anything with him. Huh? I mean, there were so few episodes that really utilized them. Like the one where this the TARDIS was shrinking. This was nothing against the actress, but I felt like they held on to the character of Clara for way too long. Oh, way too uh, long. They, 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 they way too long. Time, and it was like this. It was like the show was the Clara show. Oh, and here's the doctor now. It's like, no, this is, it's not the Clara show. This is not what I'm tuning in. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, space. Sorry, game. folks. Sorry, folks, Space Games. So we'll see you back here for the podcast in two weeks. Um, on Thursday night, I, we're, are we doing uh, on Thursday? Are we doing Dying Light? Uh, Spaz, is that what we're doing, I think? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So on Thursday afternoon for our weekly co-op session, we're going to be returning to Dying Light um, 
the following. And I think there's a buggy event going on right now that we should look into. Um, no, that's cyberpunk. No, I'm, I'm serious there. I think the dying light is actually having a buggy event right now. Um, so yeah, thank you. So oh, Steve. You mean like the car, not the feature oh, set. Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming on again and, and, and talking to us and, and passionately telling us about your game. It's really great. Everyone check out the uh, Kickstarter. It's awesome. I'm clearly losing my mind. So we got to stop because I'm rambling now, (laughs) but everyone have a great day. Be safe. Be well, Uh, take care of each other and we'll see you back here for something. I don't know what tomorrow at 6am. It might be um, Sheeran the Wanderer. For some reason, I got a copy of that. They send me a copy of that. I didn't even ask for it, but they send me a copy of that. Uh, so that might be what I stream tomorrow. Uh, excellent roguelike, if you all haven't played it. Um, so we'll see you then, folks. Have a great night uh, and take care. Bye bye.